1: Into the dope show on radio from the press box to press row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Got a great show for you today, as we generally do today. Of course, we're going to talk some college football, we're going to talk some college basketball. Got a couple of guests lined up. We're going to let you know about them momentarily here on the program. The next couple of weeks will be our year end review shows. So on next week, we'll take a look back at the months of January through June and some of our most memorable interviews and moments here on the program and taking a look back at the year 2020. I'll tell you what, 2020, it's been tough. I mean, it's been tough in so many ways. Coronavirus obviously has affected us all. Uh, I mean, just so many different things. Listen, I mean, everybody wants 2020 to end, and I get that. Like, I I definitely get that. Uh, But definitely some lessons that can be learned from 2020 moving into 2021. And hopefully one of those lessons will be to continue to, to, to be safe, to wear masks. Yes, we understand that a vaccine is on the way. Okay, well, it's not on the way. It's here, but it's on the way for the majority of us, meaning some have been uh, have received the vaccine. Most have not. So it's on the way, but we've still got to continue to be safe. And even after the vaccine, until a good majority of the population is vaccinated at some point in 2021, we still must continue to be safe must continue to be safe. So a lot of lessons, even though 2020 has been extremely tough, you can look at it. We started out the year by losing Kobe Bryant towards the latter part of January. Uh, So many, I mean, George Floyd in May, social unrest, social justice, uh, which, you know, has been a long time coming. And I think we started to see uh, some progress made in 2020, still have a long way to go. You know, you 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 think about the loss of a Chadwick Bozeman, John Lewis, uh, the list goes on and on. But I'll tell you what, there you know, 2020 wasn't all bad. And so, uh, again, we'll talk about it next week and take a listen back of with some of our some of our most memorable interviews and moments on the program. Let me set the table for you today here on from the press box to press row on today's show. We're going to be joined by the head men's basketball coach at Grambling, Dante Jackson. Dante Jackson going to join us on the program. Grambling 2 and 3 on the season and had a nice win over Louisiana Monroe on Wednesday. So we're going to talk about the Tigers program today on the program also joining us today here on from the press box to press row prairie view a&m basketball coach byron smith also going to join us on the show he's built a really good program there in prairie view texas as a matter of fact a suburb or part of the houston area and you talk about swag basketball i mean The last couple of years, Prairie View, well, I say couple of years, last, you know, five to seven years, you know, Texas Southern has been a power, Prairie View the last couple of years, you know, has been that team. And those two teams have really, and programs have really, really battled. Uh, So we're going to talk with, again, Byron Smith at Prairie View A&M, Dante Jackson of Grambling today on the program. Listen, it's been—it was a good week. Like it was a really good week for HBCUs in terms of monetary donations from Mackenzie Scott. McKenzie Scott gave away millions and millions of dollars to a lot of organizations, including HBCUs, and it's a beautiful thing uh, because, uh, of course. Um, Mackenzie Scott is, you know, she's worth so many billions of dollars and very philanthropic and just giving money to organizations and most notably to HBCUs, which is really, really huge. As a matter of fact, I have a list. here. I'm going to go through the list and a lot of these schools' biggest gifts they've ever received in one by one donation by from a private donor, right? So I mean huge. You look at Alcorn State receiving $25 million. Bowie State, $25 million. Claflin, $20 million. Clark Atlanta, $15. Delaware State, $20. Dillard, five. Elizabeth City State 15. Lincoln, University of Pennsylvania, 20 million. Morgan State, my alma mater, received $40 million, as did Norfolk State, North Carolina A&T received $45 million. Prairie View A&M received $50 million. I, I you know, Tugalo and the University of Maryland, Eastern Shore, are on the list. I, I don't, I'm not sure. They received something apparently on this list. It says unknown, so not sure. Uh, Virginia State received $30 million. Voorhees College received, again, unknown. And then Winston-Salem State received $30 million million dollars. Absolutely huge for a lot of these programs. It's a lot of money. There's no question about that. But just in the in the in the case of a of a Morgan State, for instance, I mean, 40 million dollars is 40 million. That's a lot of money. It can go towards any number of different things. But even with a university like Morgan State, 40 million is gonna is gonna help uh but not it's it's a lot of money, don't get me wrong, but David, uh, Doctor David Wilson, who's uh, the Chancellor, uh, President uh, of Morgan State University, has big plans already uh, in effect. And then, so you look at it, what what happens is you look at it. It certainly helps a lot of schools uh, that have suffered from coronavirus, from the the COVID nineteen pandemic, in terms of loss of revenues, funds, potential um, monies coming into the the school, et cetera. It helps along. Uh, Those lines, but then for some schools, because this is the thing, what McKenzie Scott and from what I read in her team, it's not like these schools solicited uh, McKenzie Scott and her team, McKenzie Scott and her team looked at these schools, the plan, the vision that the respective chancellors, presidents of these schools had, and then went from there in terms of doing some more research, uh, really uh, came down to uh, uh, not just schools, but other philanthropic organizations. And then that's how uh, she and her team made the decision. So for those universities, it's absolutely phenomenal uh, for, for again, my alma mater, because a lot of times Morgan State University, and just to talk about Morgan State momentarily, of course, Kevin Brodus, the head men's basketball coach uh, joined us last week, but just to talk about Morgan State University, there's only a few HBCUs that, are public HBCUs in major cities, right? So you have Morgan State University, Coppin State University that are both in Baltimore. You have a Texas Southern, right? Texas Southern um, is in Houston, right? I mean, it may be some other, oh, UDC, of course, is in Washington, D.C. So you have a few public schools that are in major cities, Right. And so there's a lot to be said for that. A lot of I mean, there's a lot of potential for in in uh, specifically those all of our schools. Right. But specifically those schools in terms of investing in public education in major cities, major urban areas. So Morgan State right in position, the of course, the vision of Dr. Wilson uh, put forth, set forth and Mackenzie Scott and her team loved what they saw. And so Morgan State. Granted, $40 million, the highest on this list. Again, Prairie View and 50000000 million. So a great week overall for HBCUs. Let me switch gears because I got a couple of minutes before I'm up against the break in this segment, Talk College Football Playoffs. So where we stand right now, and it's Championship Saturday, right? So uh, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Ohio State are your top four teams. I don't really see that changing because in the SEC championship game, it's Alabama and Florida. The next team in on this list is Texas A&M at seven and one. And, you know, my thought was even, even up to last week, I'm like, okay, if Clemson loses to Notre Dame, then ultimately I think Clemson is out. But that was before Florida lost To LSU. okay. so now that Florida has lost to LSU, Florida is now number seven. I just don't see Texas A&M leapfrogging any of the four schools, even if either four of the schools. So Clemson and Notre Dame play. Alabama plays Florida. uh, And then um, Ohio State plays Northwestern. Like if either for the you know, it could be a possibility of Ohio State loses to Northwestern that we could be talking about Texas A&M moving into that number four spot. I think that's the most likely scenario. As a matter of fact, with all of the talk against Ohio State because of uh, Ohio State hadn't met the minimum requirements by the Big Ten, the Big Ten adjusted those requirements, so Ohio State gets to play in the playoff. They had the best shot of any Big Ten team to, in fact, be in the conversation for the college football playoff. So, yeah, I would say if o- Ohio State lost, then – you know, Texas A&M probably would take that spot. But this is the thing. As much as I talked about Clemson and Notre Dame, if Clemson had lost, I mean, you know, the ACC isn't the strongest conference. But then again, this year, neither was the SEC. Like, we think SEC, we think greatness all the time, all the time. Well, this year, the SEC wasn't great. LSU was down, right? And the SEC, you know, as a whole, just wasn't great. I mean, even if you look at, I mean, Florida loses to LSU. Like, LSU defending champions, I get it, they've struggled. Like, if you're Florida, you can't lose to LSU. Now they're totally out of this picture, right? So, you know, it's one of those deals where I think we'll see the top four state unless Ohio State loses. If Ohio State loses, then I think we'll see Texas A&M jump into the fray. But I want to see Coastal Carolina higher than 12. Coastal Carolina's 12 right now. Like, I need to see Coastal Carolina at number 10 at least. Cincinnati at number 9. Oh, okay, I mean, I think they should be higher undefeated. Listen, it's not like the SEC is setting college football on fire. We'll talk more about this a little bit later on in the program. Still to come, Prairie View a and head men's basketball coach, Byron Smith. But up next, talking with Grambling, head men's basketball coach, Dante Jackson. <laughs> Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing, North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com.
0: Santa baby, just slip a sable under the tree for me. Dante Jackson, the year.
1: Crambling hitmens Basketball Santa Coach, Baby. joining us momentarily Sorry here on From the Press Box to tonight. Press Row. As I was getting to in the last segment, you know, we're we're about small schools on this program. We talk Santa all sports, but we love to talk about small schools and HBCUs. I saw Coastal Carolina play. I think Coastal like Carolina definitely should be ranked higher than number 12. Like, they're on the verge. Like I mean, I don't see where they wouldn't, but it's possible that you know, Coastal may not be part of this New Year's Six Bowl, one of the major bowls. Uh, the, you know, I just think, I mean, listen, what the Chanticleers have done this year been a great story for college football, beat BYU. You play the guys that are in front of you, the, the, the teams that are in front of you, and Coastal certainly did that. We can talk about that a little bit later on more in the program. Let's keep things going here on from the press box to press row. We're joined by a gentleman in his fourth season as the head men's basketball coach at Grambling. The Tigers are 2-3 and on this season, coming off a nice win on Wednesday on the road against Louisiana Monroe. Next up for the Tigers in New Orleans, taking on Tulane. Dante Jackson, the head men's basketball coach at Grambling, joins us here on from the press box to press row. Coach Jackson, welcome back to the program.
3: Uh, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Good to have you on. And you and I go a ways back, maybe to back to your days, not only at Stillman where you had success, but also maybe even going back to your days at Central State. So you've won everywhere you've yeah. been. You you know, you know, came in like gangbusters first year at Gramlin, turned that program around, SWAT coach uh, of the year. Let, let me start here. Your thoughts on the season two and three, to this point but coming off that that nice win against louisiana monroe
3: oh uh, so far uh I'm excited about our guys uh we've been defending really well uh night in night out that's been that's been our calling card uh unfortunately you know earlier in the season you know just didn't really have a lot of rhythm uh wasn't really uh shooting the ball really well and was kind of a breakout for us we had end up making 11 out of 23 three-pointers and You know, shots are falling, so that's that's half the battle. You know, you got to defend the ball well, but you also got to make sure you make shots. So, no no matter how much you defend, you got to put the ball in the hole.
1: Yeah, I mean, to your point, averaging teams are averaging maybe a little bit more than sixty-eight points per game. So, you're definitely getting it done uh, defensively. But I mean, would you say that the win over uh, Louisiana Monroe uh, may be your most complete game? of the season, 78 points. That's nothing to sneeze at. And, again, holding them to just 61.
3: Yes, yes. I think, uh, just to be honest, I think we really play an all-around basketball game. We actually put together two halves. You know, sometimes we'll play good for 20 minutes. I think we played really good against Arizona for 20 minutes. We played really good against Texas Tech for 20 minutes. Uh, You know, we we even played okay, just okay, our opening night at home against East Texas Baptists. And I think, you know, we actually put everything together of how we identify ourselves playing.
1: Yeah, for you, what was that like? Like, what did you learn? Like, those are tough games, no question. Money games, Arizona, Texas Tech, very tough games. What did you learn about uh, this team in those losses to both, again, Arizona and Texas Tech?
0: Well, the
3: main thing that I learned is that if we're going to guard like this, we're going to have a chance. You know our guys have bought into defending. You know that's been our calling card. You know everywhere I've been, you know it's been it's been defense first, and you know we create uh we create some offense off defense, and we try to you know move the ball and work the ball around and find the best guy with the hot hand on offense, but. You know, with us defending early in the year, you know, holding teams like Arizona under 40%, holding Grand Grand Canyon under 40%, East Texas Aftis to 30 I, I just think that, you know, that, that calling card travels what you know where, I mean, everywhere you go. So I tell people all the time, you know, you know, effort is all defense, you know, and one thing you can have every night is effort. We don't know if we're going to make shots every night, but we know we're going to feed our butt off every night.
1: Yeah, no, there's no question, you know, certainly uh, about that. Speak to... You know, coming back uh, uh, in, in COVID and how your guys have been able to prepare. I mean, you've played five games, which may not sound like a whole lot of games, and maybe it's <laughs> not. But when you look at some, I mean, when you look at some programs, I mean, some programs have, have played, you know, significantly less than that.
3: Well, it, it, I'm, I'm glad you say that. You know, the one thing I tell our guys right now is we got to expect the unexpected. You know, everything about this season is unexpected. Like, we, you know, we were getting ready to play in Cardinal Word and then we get a phone call that the game's canceled. And, you know, even from the beginning of the year, you know, with so much uncertainty, whether we we're playing, not playing, or we got these guys on campus in August, we're not working out, you know, it's just so many different things going on than in a normal school season. I mean, than in a normal school year, in a normal athletic season, that that would be happening. So, you know, right now, you know, I always tell our guys, expect the unexpected, you know, we're always trying to surround ourselves in a bubble, and, you know, we we don't have the bubble like the NBA, you know, we we don't have those resources, but at the end of the day, we can just stay to ourselves and try to stay amongst ourselves and try to do the best we can with washing our hands and being diligent about, you know, just the little stuff.
1: Dante Jackson in his fourth season as the head men's basketball coach at Grambling joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coming in that, that first season. Uh, 2018 I mean you you know I mean you got it done like you you it it was a a program that uh you know hadn't had as much success you've come in and 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 got that program has has been able to right the ship you know speak to that and 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 why you have been able to have so much success to this point in now uh, with three complete season and 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 of course now this your fourth season uh, as the head coach of the Tigers.
3: I just think you know everything starts with you know with, with, with your staff and your administration first you know being able to have you know a, you know great administration guys you know athletic directors and presidents that support you being able to have a staff that you know goes out and day in day out understands the mission of you know being able to develop young guys and and groom young men I, I think that's I think that's where it starts at every day and then you know I just like I tell our guys all the time the wins and losses will take care of itself you know if you treat people right and treat the game right. I think you know that goes a long way for you in life.
1: No question. Let's talk some personnel. You know, if I look at a guy, you know, Cameron, you know, Kristen and Cameron Woodall. I mean, these guys are averaging double digits for you. I realize you mentioned you know you're not scoring as many points as you'd like to be scoring uh, right now, but it, what do these two young men bring to the table?
3: Well, you know, they're 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 two they're they're two versatile young men. You know, they're they're both kind of like. In that small forward guard mode, uh, you know, Cameron Christian, he's probably the outside shooter who, who scores and shoots the ball well. Woodall's probably the strong slashing athlete who jumps out the gym and who, who, who's going to electrify the crowd on a fast break. So, I mean, they, they both they, they both do a lot of things similar, but at, at, but they're both really different. And, you know, the good thing is about both those guys, man, they're like sponges. They work hard every day, they compete hard every day, and they want to get better, Sam. You know, and, and like, the great thing about, like, Cam Christian, of course he transferred towards from Boise State, but, you know, he's he's a legacy Gremlin Knight. Mom played play volleyball here, dad played football here, so it's just great for him to transfer back and be able to be part of the legacy of Gremlin State University.
1: Yeah, and you know, if I look, if you, if anybody looks at your roster, you've got a good mix of transfer guys, you know, JUCO, high school guys, and then then a few guys, you know, that played on the Division One level. Sort of speak to that and being able to mesh, uh, you know, those uh, those guys, transfers, high school, et cetera, to have a solid team.
3: I think uh, right now, you know, we're 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 in different times. You know, I think building. Teams with just all high school guys, I, I think that's a little different now. Uh, not, not to say that, that that's not right, that's not wrong, but I just think there's other ways and other avenues of getting kids eligible. So it's, it's so many different things with the guys transferring from Division One, guys transferring from junior college, you know, guys that's, you know, that's in prep school, high school. You just got to go out, out and find the right fit of guys for your university and your program.
1: You know, for you, I don't know if we've had a chance to. Well, we have, but I mean, I, for those that may not be familiar, obviously, you had a lot of success at Stillman. Uh, you know, won a tournament championship in the SIAC, made it to the second round of the NCAA Division II tournament. Ultimately, Stillman decided uh, to to go to NAIA. Uh, what can you say? Because you coached a year went in, in 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 at Stillman in, when uh, Stillman was in
2: the NAIA, yes. correct? Yes, yes,
3: we coached the year, went twenty-four and five, and figured it out that year. And then the next year, I got the opportunity and a blessing to come to Grambling. So, I mean, we—I pretty much did a Division II, NAI, Division One, you name it, I probably coached it. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, no question. Again, at, at Central State, where you had, you know, some success uh, also there. So, c- kind of speak to that in terms of your growth as a head coach, and now your third. Uh, program, again, moving from D2, D2 to now Division
3: I? You know, it, it was a blessing for me, uh, for Kevin Wins- uh, Winslow, uh senior to give me an opportunity at 30 years old to become a head basketball coach, uh, you know, and, and be at my alma mater at Central State University. You know, I got, you know, we have some good teams and we play well. But I got a chance to learn on the job. <laughs> you know, I learned many a times where I think, man, I should have called a timeout. I should have did this. I should have did that. So that definitely helped me in my next job at Stillman, and, and to help me today where I am at Grambling State. Because, you know, everything, you know, coaching is coaching. You know, it's about discipline, it's about accountability, it's about finding players, and and you know, just putting it all together at the same time. So all the stuff that I learned from Central, I was able, I was able to take to Stillman. The things I learned from Stillman, I was able to apply to Grambling. And you know now I think I'm just a better, well the coach. Coach, now. I'm just a little older, a little wiser. You know, the kids probably think I'm older now, but a little <laughs> more grumpier. But oh well, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So the football program doesn't get to go to the Big Easy, but you, as the basketball program, do again Saturday uh, at Tulane. Y- your thoughts? I mean, what, what are you? What are your your thoughts on Tulane, and what do you have to do to go and get a victory on the road in New Orleans?
3: Oh well, you know it's great to be going to see uh, play Coach Hunter. Coach Hunter, the uh, mentor of mine. You know, we're playing for the first time ever. You know, he's been a guy as throughout my career I could call and lean on and talk to Coach Ron Hunter about different things. And now we're getting a chance to go down here and play. And you know, I, I think you know that he he built programs that's been really good from IUPUI to Georgia State to now he's at Tulane and. You know, I know going in there, we're going to have to play against his matchup zones and switch his own defenses, and our guys just got to be ready to make shots and compete at a high level. You know, night in, night out, the one thing we got to do is compete, and, you know, we'll, we'll let shots fall. You know, and I think, you know, being able to have that game against ULM, seeing the ball go through the hole was big for us and our confidence.
1: Dante Jackson, again, in his fourth season as the head men's basketball coach at Grambling, joins us here on the program, the Tigers 2-3 and three on the season. Going to take on Tulane on Saturday in New Orleans. Coach Jackson, appreciate the time. Uh, continued success to you and the Tigers.
3: Thank you so much. We really appreciate you having me again. Thank you. Have a blessed
1: day. Dante Jackson's team coming off a nice win against Louisiana Monroe against Tulane in New Orleans on Saturday. Up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row, preview A&M Head Men's Basketball Coach.
2: Byron Smith from the press box to press row and box to row.com. Your HBCU sports leader. Let's continue here on from the press
1: box to press row. We're joined by a gentleman who's in his sixth season as the head men's basketball coach at Prairie View A&M. The Panthers are one and two on the season. Next match is Our next game, I should say, is against Washington State on Monday. Byron Smith joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Smith, welcome back to the program.
4: Hey, thank you for having me, Don. It's pleasure to be on
1: with you. Absolutely. The pleasure is all mine, and I know we had you on, I guess, what, back in March. Uh, so, you know, your thoughts. You guys uh, started out the season with the victory over Evansville um, and uh, have, have lost a couple of games. But your thoughts on the season to this point?
4: Well, I mean, obviously, you know, with the you know the postponements and cancellations of games and things like that, it's been a little bit, been a little bit unsettling. But you know, I really like our team. I think we've got a lot of nice pieces. Uh, we're adding some pieces. Obviously, some guys have become eligible. Um, you know, here um, in the last week. So, uh, you know, the season. Like I said, we started out. We dropped the tough one to Little Rock, and we beat Evansville, and then dropped one to the home team, Louisville. But I thought we did some good things there. So. I, I think you know, it got off to a solid start. Obviously, you want to win all your games, but you know, sometimes you can win and not have the most points on the board at the end of the night. And I think in those two games that we, we were able to get some things done that uh, you know, that showed improvement and showed that you know we were kind of you know, you know, kind of you know, making our way and and, and going up as a team and, and starting to play together and and some positive things kind of came out of it. So to answer your question, I. I think the season has been solid this far, but just kind of want to get a few more games in. We've had some, like I say, some postponements and cancellations, but just ready to get back to playing some consistent basketball uh, with our season.
1: Yeah, I mean, what what have you been able to do? I mean, it's, you know, I know we talked with you in March and the cancellation of the SWAC uh, tournament championship uh, or tournament, the SWAC tournament, that is. But, I mean, what have you been able to do uh, since your last game on November twenty nine. I know you've gotten some work in, but I know it's got to be, like not just for you, but everybody, but specifically for you, it's got to be frustrating uh, not even knowing uh, if you'll be able to play the scheduled contest.
4: Right, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, been a, it's definitely been a challenge, you know, but I always say that the ones that are able to make adjustments in life are the ones that are going to be the most successful. So uh, I think it's um, you know, it's made us um, be, be more appreciative of the things that we do have when we do have the game, because I tell our kids all the time, game can be taken away from you in, in, in a moment's notice. Uh, so appreciate the game and, and uh, you know, work hard and, uh, honor the game the right way with your effort. Um, but yeah, it's been very, uh, been very challenging. Uh, but I think we've battled it the right way. Our guys are still upbeat. And obviously each day, you know, they're looking to get better and when they're on the court. Um, and just wanting, like I say, me, them just like me, wanting to get back to, you know, playing some games and, um, uh, you know, enjoying this this game that we all know and love. So uh, I'm proud of my group. They, they, you know, obviously followed the protocols for the most part and done what they've been asked to do. And, uh, you know, you can do everything right, you know, with this with this COVID thing and follow all the protocols and the safety measures. And, you know, something can still happen. That's how fluid, you know, this virus is. But, uh, but I, I do believe that we're a resilient team. I think that once we do get back to the floor, and once we get into conference play, I, I, I like our chances to be a formidable opponent and have another solid season once we get into conference play.
1: Certainly. After the loss to uh, Little Rock there in, in Louisville and in that tournament, again, as you mentioned, bounced back uh, in the victory against Evansville. What did you see? You know, what enabled you to, uh, uh, to be able to bounce back to get the victory? But w- more importantly, what did you see from your team and how they responded after the loss two days previous?
4: You know uh, what? With, with having you know eight, eight to nine new players, uh, you know, that's been. I mean, obviously, it's going to be an adjustment for any, uh, you know, for, for any program. Uh, the, the eight to nine new players are very talented. I think it's my most talented team. Uh, so I, I think the, the, the fact that you know we, we dropped that first game, I think by four or five points uh, to Little Rock, and obviously they're returned. They're like us. They're you know, uh, uh, you know, back. Won, won the conference championship last year. Uh, and obviously, I think they picked to be the first or second this year in the conference. Um, you know, I just, and they had the top seven, eight guys coming back. Uh, they had a lot of experience. I think that game that we dropped to them, I think it was more chalked up to, to, to you know, not that they had better talent or played particularly, played really any better than we did on that day. I just think that they their experience was a difference in, 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 in the outcome of that game and them getting the victory. Uh, so we were very close in that first game, a game that could have gone either way. The second game against, Evansville. I think that we made some corrections and I think we were able to finish against Evansville where we didn't finish the right way uh against Little Rock and like I said that that was in large part to experience. But we grew up pretty quick, you know, within two days, uh and, 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 and made some plays late and uh you know defensively I thought we were really solid, especially late against Evansville and kinda of took them out of what they wanted to do. It kinda of confused them a little bit with our athleticism on our left. Um and, and were able to just uh, pull out a, a hard-fought victory, which we really needed. Um, so from one game to the next, I thought I saw marked improvement with just our mentality to be able to finish finish the job against Evansville that we didn't do against Little Rock. And uh, obviously we came out victorious, which was great.
1: That the voice of Byron Smith in his sixth season as the head men's basketball coach at Prairie View A&M. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. What have you seen from a guy? I mean, he got a couple of guys that are – doing some good things for you. Jeremiah Gambrill's averaging close to 12 points per game. Darrell Roberts in excess of 11. And uh, Jawan Daniels is averaging 10 points per game. But you've got balanced scoring. I mean, even if you look at the Williams kid, he's at in excess of nine a game. Balanced scoring, what are you seeing from those three guys that are in double figures in particular?
4: Well, you know, the funny thing about it, you know, that you know the the team that we have, that we had in Louisville, we're still missing, you know, probably, some people would say, our three best players, Uh, and a lot of people don't know that, Uh, I know with our team, uh, we have three young men that are sitting out waiting to get eligible, and and, uh, uh, one of them is eligible, the other one will be eligible within another week, Uh, and the third, once we get into conference, Uh, but speaking on the current team, uh, Jawan Daniels is a young man that was with us last year, but didn't get actually redshirted and play a lot, so... You know, he's, you know, his effort has always been good, but his ability to be able to knock down shots and score was a little bit surprising. Tate Williams uh, played quite a bit last year as a uh, as, as a sophomore, so he's he's got some experience and he knows how we like to play. Just a tough player, gritty guy, does everything coaches ask him to do and plays a great effort each and every night, so that wasn't a surprise. Uh, De'Rell Robinson, a young man that kind of got off to a little bit of a slow start, a little bit banged up once we started practice, so didn't really get a lot of practice time and his conditioning wasn't what I need, thought it needed to be. So, you know, I wasn't really expecting to get a lot from him going into Louisville, but obviously he stepped up and showed that uh, the things that he did was the reason that we recruited. Knocked down shots, long, length, can play multiple positions, could borrow multiple positions. So those three men um, uh, uh, statistically have carried, carried us in the, in the bubble up in Louisville. But we've got some other guys that can do some things, too. So this is why I'm saying I think it's my, our most talented team. We've got a lot of pieces and a lot of depth. Uh, and just keeping our fingers crossed and praying to the good Lord that we'll be able to get back to playing and get into conference and finish out this season. Because I'm really excited to see how far this team can go and how much we can accomplish. I, I think we can do a lot. So uh, I mean, we're really excited about, uh, about our season. And uh, just like I said, again, just praying that we can get to uh, get back to it and
1: get through it. Yeah, I mean, you, you're, you sort of really reloaded. Because uh, you, you're right, a, a lot of guys from last year – uh, you know, lost to graduation. So, you know, I guess speak to that philosophy. Was it more of a situation, especially, you know, with COVID, it, it probably was more, I mean, were you more in the mindset of reloading maybe opposed to, you know, maybe getting s- some more high school guys in and, and building that way?
4: Well, you know, uh, really with the way that we play, um, just the expectation, you know, it takes high school guys a little bit longer to get accustomed because it's just a different style with high school and AAU to how we play here. Uh, so we normally try to go after, obviously, two co-transfers, guys with a little bit more experience, a little bit more age, a little bit more seasoning, uh, and, and, and just some other Division One transfers. Um, obviously, you know, with COVID, you know, the one, you know, I think negative about COVID is that we recruited a lot of these young men, and, and obviously we saw film, and we talked to people that we know and trust in the business. That gave us uh, really good recommendations about these young men, but not really getting a chance to get these young men on campus and sit down and, and having a conversation with them and just kind of talking about, um, you know, the you know, prayer view in you know, men's basketball, you know, uh, as a whole, and, and not really getting a chance to really get them to understand to be a Panther and, and the expectations and the physical demands that, 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 that we expect and we put that place we place on your body because it's just pretty tough and pretty grueling. So we we did we do feel like we reloaded, Um, you know, and and we've got I think more talent this year, more able-bodied players this year than we did last year and the year before, and uh, I think that speaks volumes about you know uh, you know what we how how good we feel about these young men because the past two years I, I thought that we had a really nice team and obviously winning the championship back to back speaks to that to the that these guys were able to uh, go out and, and execute and perform of night in, night out. So uh, we did reload, but we feel like we've got more depth. And, and this is, like I said, I think this is uh, probably our most talented team uh, from one uh, to about 12 that, that you know, we, we can go pretty deep. So we're really excited about the, uh, the opportunity to coach these guys and just see how far we can go with this, this group that we have.
1: Again, Byron Smith in his sixth season – as the head men's basketball coach at Prairie View a joins us here on the program. Can you speak to I me? Mean, you took over uh, the helm of the program in January of 2016 on an interim basis. And really, I mean, you've you've really soared ever since then. SWAC Tournament Championship uh, in 2019. One of the, you know, one of, obviously one of the better programs uh, in the SWAC in the last uh, five years or more. Can you can you talk about how you've been able to really build this program in now six years to one of the better programs in the SWAC?
4: Well, I'm just thankful for the opportunity. First and foremost, thankful to God, you know, for giving me, um, you know, this opportunity, and then obviously the, I guess the, you know, being the right fit. You know, a lot of times you see guys that get opportunities and get jobs, and it's just not the right fit, so they're not successful. I just think Prairie View uh, was the right fit for Byron Smith, and just. Uh, you know the type of kids that we had in the program when I took over, uh, and I really got so much. That's obviously a special group. Uh, the year that I was interim, uh, that those guys just bought in and gave me an opportunity because they could have easily said, "Hey, you know what? We're not winning. We're not successful. You didn't recruit us. The guy that recruits is not is not here anymore. We're just gonna go through the motions, just get through it." But they 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 gave me uh, everything that they possibly had, and then so so I'm so thankful for for that group. And it, it's just after that. Uh, obviously getting the permanent, you know, position. And Ashley Robinson I got so much to thank for him. That, that, uh, that Athletic director at that point in time, um, you know, believing enough in me. And it's really hard sometimes to get someone to believe in you and give you the opportunity, so thankful there. Uh, but I, I just think that the young men that we have recruited, um, you know, over the years have just really bought in. And they've had to sacrifice a lot and play a different style of basketball than I feel that they've played in any other place. Uh, so I think we've done a really good job in, in recruiting. I think we're continuing to do that. Uh, I think the, the, the believe-in is first. Obviously, you got to get people to believe in you, and then the buy-in comes second with, with your philosophy and how you want to play. So those two things are lined up. So uh, just a lot of hard work, blood, sweat, and tears. Obviously, having um, a former assistant, uh, now current head coach at Alcorn State, Landon Bussey, was, a, was an integral part in our success in the job that he did recruiting and the job he did coaching and managing. These young men, and he just really allowed me to focus on coaching, and not not a lot of other things, uh, you know, administrative things and stuff like that. So he, he was a he was a tremendous blessing uh, to me, and, and, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention him and, and our success at Prairie View had a, had a huge part in it. And I'm hopeful that he'll you know do well at Alcorn. He they play against us you know, we turned this two times this year. Um, so it's just um, it's just a lot of things just, it just matched up. You know, I think uh, I think it's just been a good fit. Uh, I've enjoyed it, and uh, our administration has been, you know, very supportive, you know, of us, and, and uh, you know, and I think we've, uh, you know, kind of repaid them for their trust and belief that, you know, we've given them a good product on the floor, and we just, we don't want it to end, I mean, I just, we just, when you get, when you have success and you're winning basketball games and things are working out, man, you just don't want it to end, you just want it to continue, and that's what we're doing right now, pushing and striving to keep this thing going so we can maintain consistency because at the end of the day that's what it's all about not just being a one-hit wonder having one or two good years and you go from first to worst you know you want to be consistent like Alabama across the board each and every year you want to be one of the better teams in your league with a chance to compete for the conference championship and I, I think even at this point right now with what's going on with COVID and the the, the, you know, the shutdowns and the pauses and the cancellations and the postponement. I think when the smoke all clears, I think we're still right there as one of the better teams in this league with a chance to compete for a championship for the third straight year.
1: Yeah, no question. And then, of course, the battles you have with your buddy, uh, Johnny Jones, like the epicenter of swag basketball is in the Houston area.
3: <laughs> yes, it is.
4: I know lots of people don't like that. <laughs> they don't really want uh, to acknowledge that or admit that, but it has been. I mean, obviously, uh, the, Don, the Don of all Dons and the, and the guy that I give so much credit for raising the, the appeal, the profile of the SWAC is uh, Mike Davis, who obviously was a Texas Southern. And just, it gets no better than Mike Davis and just the, the level. Uh, and I, I, like I said, I tell people all the time, he put pressure on you to be at your best each and every day because if not, you're going to get your butt kicked in recruiting and on the game and things like that. He was just such an impactful guy, you know, then and even now. He's a mentor of mine and so appreciative of, you know, having him as someone I can look to and and, and call and talk about various things in life and off the court as well. But, um, you know, with with, with the standard that he set, obviously everybody else was, was a distant second. I think that, you know, teams are starting to close the gap you know, obviously we've done a good job and you know, since he's been gone and Johnny Jones is doing a, a good job over there as well. And Texas Southern is, you know obviously picked to win it this year. They're still uh, a formidable opponent with a lot of respect and a national profile. Um but yeah, it it kinda it kinda of, kind of starts and, and kinda of finishes here at Houston. It has been that way for the past, you know, six seven years with uh, you know, Purview, uh, excuse me, Texas Southern Purview and, and um, uh, you know, we, 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 we just wanna be in the number. We just wanna have a chance and that's what we're working for each and every day and fighting for each and every day, uh, just to be to, to be, you know, to give yourself an opportunity, uh, to compete for a championship. And I, I, I really believe that for the years to come, I, I think I think we're gonna be there. I think it's gonna be a major drop off, at least not from the coaching staff. And we're going to continue to get players in that believe in what we believe in and, uh, you know, just want to go out and be successful and have an opportunity to, to win championships. So that, that, that's kind of where we are with it right now.
0: And then
1: lastly, with Byron Smith, the head men's basketball coach at Prairie View A&M, joins us here on the program, and we appreciate the time. Uh, Washington State, your thoughts. Again, your next opponent on Monday, currently undefeated and knocked off Texas Southern to open the season.
4: Yeah, you know Kyle Smith is actually a Houston guy. The head coach out there, he's actually a Houston guy. In the Bay Leaf, uh Elsick High School here in Houston, and you know, has been a, been a, a, a trusted and respected assistant coach in, in, a, in a lot of different places. Uh, and obviously, being his second year, he's you know, he's kind of got that program kind of you know uh, moving in the right direction. They've done a good job in recruiting and things like that. So obviously, been in the Pac-12, that they'll be a formidable opponent. But you know, I do think that. You know, if we can go in and, 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 and do some of the things that we like to do and that we're known to do, I, I think we'll have a chance to, uh, you know, I, I, I do feel like we're at least worthy to be on the floor with them. I don't think it's a mismatch by any stretch. We just got to go out and play Prairie game and Panther basketball and uh, let the chips fall where they may. But a well-coached team, uh, organized coach, um, you know, obviously a great opportunity for us anytime you can go play against, a uh, you know, a team of, of you know, the, the conference of champions, the great Bill Walton continues to say in the pac 12 pac 10 when he played but pac 12 now uh so we're excited about the opportunity and just uh you know been a, been a few weeks since we've been on the floor just anxious to get back out there and uh kind of get ourselves going and uh you know just hope for the best but we'll be, we'll be always be competitive we're always going to get after you we're always going to give you uh a lot of toughness and we're, we're going to fly around and, 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 and play like our hair is on fire and uh you know we're just going to show up and uh you know, and and, and they do our absolute best, and at the end of the night, we'll let the school board take care of itself. But uh, but we feel real good about this season. We just again, we just gotta pray that you know we we can get you know get back to it and get through it and uh, get on the other side of this COVID thing. Because I'm telling you, it, it's definitely had a, a huge impact on, on the world. But, uh, but we're hanging in there each and every day, just and, and excited about uh, about the future.
1: Sounds good. Again, Byron Smith in his sixth season as the Hitmen's basketball coach at Prairie View A and M joins us here. I'm from the press box to press for the Panthers, one and two on the season, haven't played in about three weeks, but do are on the road on Monday at Washington State. Coach Smith, appreciate the time. Good luck to you and the Panthers.
4: Hey, I appreciate you having me, man. It, 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 always a pleasure. Anytime I can help, um, a phone call away. But, but thank you for your time and having me on the
1: show. Glad to do it. Byron Smith, the head men's basketball coach at Prairie View A and M, joining us here on the program. Prairie View A and M has been uh, really the the team in the swack to beat the last few seasons. You can react to anything that Byron Smith had to say. Hit me up via Twitter at Box Row, B O X T O R O W or on Facebook B O X the number two R O. W going to switch gears, get back to college football and talk a little bit in the next segment about the group of five college football teams and sort of the shaft job. I mean, I get it. Power five conferences. What's the point? Like what's the what's the point of being an FBS school if you're not going to have an opportunity to truly play for a national championship? It's great to be in a. New Year's Bowl, uh, on, uh, a, a bowl on New Year's Day, one of the top bowls, New Year's Six, that's fine. But if you're not going to be able to truly play for the national championship, what are you gaining by this? Let's have that conversation on the other side. This is From the Press Box to Press Row, and you got us locked right here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius
2: XM. Box to row.com. Box to row.com is the website for all of your HBCU sports needs. From the game of the week feature to interviews to the latest news in the world of HBCU sports. Box to row.com has you covered. Ooh. Missed a week of From the Press Box to Press Row? Box to row.com has all the archive shows. Don't forget to check out the All-American teams and weekly media coaches polls. From the Press Box to Press Row and box to row.com Your HBCU sports leader.
0: It's Donald Ware, from the press box to press row.
1: Right close to 8 o'clock in the east, 5 o'clock out west, here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. And I want to take this last segment to talk a little bit about the college football playoff, but I think more specifically about the group of five and the purpose of even being in FBS if you don't really have the opportunity to play for a national championship. You look at FCS football. FCS football plays for a national championship. You look at the FBS level, and even in the FBS level, very much like the Power Five conferences like to do in basketball. Basketball's supposed to be all Division I, right? But then you you have what are called mid-majors, right? Same thing in FBS. We have Power Five, then we have the Group of Five. You know what I mean? Like, what's the point? What is the point? And it's, it, it, it really, it, you know, if you're not in a Power Five conference or you're Notre Dame, in this case, Notre Dame is in the ACC this year, you essentially have no shot. Now, you know, I look at the groupings in the college football playoff, and I look at Florida at number seven. Um, you know, I look at Georgia at number eight. You know, I mean, Florida really messed itself up big time. That loss to LSU was huge. I mean, Florida was on the the cusp of possibly being in a national in the in the last four, and just totally messed it up. I think if Florida if Florida had won, and again, uh, especially especially if Notre Dame defeats Clemson for a second time, this time in the ACC championship game, I think Florida gets in. But again, it, it depends on how much credence you give to a conference championship game, like how much does it hurt you if you lose and it certainly can't hurt if you win, right? That type of uh, of situation. Florida was right there. But I mean, if I look at Cincinnati at number nine and Cincinnati has zero losses, okay, on the season. You can argue, oh, they play in the AAC. Okay, fine, but I mean, really, Florida and Georgia, more specifically even Georgia, has as many good wins to me as Cincinnati has. Like the SEC, it w- isn't that good this year. Just not that good. I mean, I realized COVID and all of that and the games, you, you, you hadn't played as many games and we've had games canceled and rescheduled and all those kind of things. And it's just been a weird year. To me, that's more of an incentive to have like a Cincinnati, right? Undefeated. I mean, you can say what you want at the end of the day, and we can argue if, you know, SEC, I mean, I get it, the SEC's the best conference It's going to have the reputation even this year. I'm okay with that. The end of the day though, Cincinnati in the loss column has a goose egg. Meanwhile, Georgia and Florida have two losses on the season. Okay? You know, I get it with a Texas A&M, only loss was to Florida or excuse me, to Alabama beat Florida. Right. So, I mean, I get that. And that's where Texas uh, A&M probably should be. But, you know, I just feel like Cincinnati should be a little uh, a little bit higher. I mean, I think they should at least be above Florida and Georgia, who have two losses in an SEC. That is not that good this year. I mean, I guess across the board, maybe college football isn't that great. So, you know, whatever. Uh, I know Coastal Carolina, and by the way, Coastal. Uh, won't be able to, they're not playing that, uh, that uh, the championship game because of a COVID outbreak. But again, how much does that hurt or help you? I don't think it, it definitely wouldn't have, I don't think helped Coastal Carolina that much. Uh, certainly would have hurt, I think, if uh, the Chanticleers had lost. But I, you know, it's like, should in the, the if you're not a power five, should there be, and I, and I know this is sort of out there, but should there be some kind of national championship game for those that are not part of the Power Five? I think to be more inclusive of the college football playoff, we definitely need to open up to more teams, only four teams right now. That needs to be expanded. I know there was, uh, I think, the more likelihood of expansion if there is a number, would be to eight. I think, you know, eventually you have to open it up more, to more than just that. Because even if you open it up to eight, Cincinnati still doesn't make it, a- according to this, according to the latest college football production, projections. Now, of course, there's a final college football playoff projection. But according to where we are right now, even Cincinnati doesn't make it. You know, should there... FCS has in the NCAA FCS there's a playoff there's a playoff in the national championship division 2 II, division 3 same thing you know does there need to be something like that for the non power 5 the power 5 has blocked out even ever since Boise State became really really good was beating some teams including beating Oklahoma in a bowl game the power 5 is like giving the Heisman to the rest of the FBS. it uh, It is definitely unfortunate. I got to leave it right there because I got to get ready to run here. I'm from the Press Box to Press Row. Thank you to Byron Smith, the head men's basketball coach at Prairie View A&M. Also, Dante Jackson, the head men's basketball coach at Grambling, for joining us on the program. For more information, on from the Press Box to Press Row. Log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support Yo, From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications.